grace. A steward is a manager. I am managing something that does not belong to me. I am stewarding something that belongs to God because he's put me in charge of distributing his grace. Can we look at the difficult moments in our lives as a moment that we have the opportunity to distribute the grace of God? Everything Paul was at each moment was for Christ, as unto Christ. So what has God given you? What are you a steward of? Small or large? What are you a steward of? And are you being faithful to distribute grace to that you, that you are stewarding? Big or small, I belong to him. The second tool for safeguarding your heart from self-pity and hardness of heart is to recognize your need for the power and grace of God. Verse 7, he said, by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given this privilege. In the New American Standard, it says, according to the working of God's power, I've been given the privilege of serving him. And that word working in the Greek is the word energia. It's where we get our word energy from. And the word power is dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from. So Paul is presenting an explosive energy available to us. According to the explosive energy of God's power, I've been given the privilege of blank. You fill it in. According to the explosive energy of God's power, I've been given the privilege of parenting for children. According to the explosive energy of God's power, I've been given the privilege of stocking in the back of a grocery store. According to the explosive energy, and on and on and on, everything, daily, I need his power and grace. I need his explosive energy. How do you get it? Isaiah 55. It's available to us right now in moments of potential tension, in moments of weakness. It's available. Explosive energy is available to you. And I believe it's what Jesus spoke of in John 7 when he said this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the Holy Spirit. Come and drink of his spirit. Jesus is actually quoting Isaiah 55 right there. You will find life. Are you thirsting for the spirit of God? I must have the power and grace of God. I must. This must be what we wake up recognizing our need for. It's difficult to thirst for his spirit if we are spiritually and emotionally cramming other food into our mouth. And I believe the key to staying free from self-pity is to ask the Lord. If you have no thirst for him, ask him for thirst. Yes, you're allowed to ask him for thirst so that then you can ask him for his spirit. So begin asking him for thirst. God, fill me with a desire to thirst for your spirit. I ask that you baptize me new with your spirit. We all should be doing that. It's not a one and done. It's a continually be baptized, continually be filled. And the third tool I believe that Paul 
used to keep his heart vibrant before the Lord was his awareness that he was part of something much bigger than himself. You see, when we recognize that self-pity has to go, we go, what does he say here in verse 8? God graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about endless treasure. I was chosen to explain a mysterious plan. And then he said in verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Whoa. What? Paul, wake up. Wake up, Paul. You're in a prison. And you're speaking of these cosmic strategies of God. Wake up. Wake up. Come into reality. Get your head out of the clouds and into reality. What's your reality? Because this strategy of God that, that God had invited Paul to be part of, that was his reality. The stone walls of his prison and the, the short chain that he was connected to a Roman guard with were not his reality. What's your reality? Sickness? A difficult marriage? A difficult job? Loneliness? Are you a prisoner to those things? Or have you opened your eyes to the one who can give life? This was Paul's reality from prison. I would expect him to be focused on his tribulations. And my question is, do you blame your feelings of misery on your circumstances? That's a natural perspective. But we are not of this natural world. Paul, wake up! Your rights are being taken away. You've been unjustly arrested. And Paul says, I've been given this job of declaring endless treasures. Some people would be like, I can't handle that Paul guy. I've got to get away from him. He is not stable. I want you to be careful that in your mind and your heart, your present difficulties don't overtake the glory, the glory, the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, of what you've been given. God's eternal plan and purpose for you. Here's the part that just blows my mind. Verse 10, to use you, say me, say you, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities? Right now in this moment, all around you is an invisible realm that God is de declaring his wisdom to through you. Whoa, I didn't sign up for that. When I said yes to Jesus, well, well, too bad. I mean, that's part of the gospel. Your life, what he does with you, his eternal plan for you, his, his transforming of your life, his guiding of your life, his drawing you to himself, it is a teaching for fallen and faithful angels. You are on display. You are a theater 
for the spiritual realms. They see your weakness. They see your sin. But they see your new nature. And they are observing how you respond. Especially in the midst of squeezing. I was thinking this week about the book of Job. And I, it just was like, aha! This is what was happening in the book of Job. The wisdom of God was being displayed to the unseen realms. Go read the very beginning of the chapter. The wisdom, the manifold, that means multifaceted. Wisdom of God was being displayed when Job said, I will not point my finger at my maker. I will not choose self-pity. Now, he failed a few times in the middle. But the wisdom of God in the end was manifested to a seen and unseen realm. Wow. Wow. This is part of the gospel. Wake up to it. God, I'm part of a bigger plan, and that should keep me out of the place of self-pity. Isaiah 55, listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open, and you will find life. If you remember in Psalm 23, David said of the Lord, You prepare a table for me. In the presence of my enemies, you are preparing a table. See, David had tapped in to an unseen realm. Because the realities for David were not great. God, you're preparing. My cup is running over. How could he say that? In the middle of experiences like Ziklag when his family was taken from him. How could David say that? In the midst of this valley that looks like death, I fear no evil. That's the opposite of self-pity. What had he tapped into? I believe David had tapped into the same heart posture that Paul walked in. The posture of being fascinated. Not just recognizing, not just saying, oh yeah, God, you're good, oh yeah. Okay, I'm supposed to remember something you did for me in the past because right now is such a horrible day. I remember that thing you did for me. That's okay, that's a start. But what about taking it to the next level and actually being fascinated? fascinated that I would be able to be in a prison and say, God has given me these endless treasures. I'm fascinated by your goodness. I who was the least, I who was the least possible person you could lose. I'm fascinated. I'm no longer fascinated by my present loneliness. I'm no longer fascinated by this person. And yes, it is fascination when you're mad at someone and that's all you can think about from sunup to sundown. That's fascination. That's idolatry. I'm no longer fascinated with these emotional issues. I'm fascinated that I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me? I want to invite us as a family, as a family of Christ, I want to invite us together. Oftentimes we think of these moments as like I'm dealing with this in my own heart. But this morning I feel like the Lord is saying this is a moment that as a family we can commit 
to posturing our hearts in this place. You may say, I need the power, that explosive power you talked about. I need that. That's easy to get. First, ask the Lord. If you have no, th- no thirst, ask him. I want to be thirsty for you. And then you ask him, Lord, I want to be baptized with your spirit. Now, some of you are here this morning, and you may have never, this is all new to you. You may have never made a commitment and actually received the first gift, the gift of salvation that Jesus paid for with his life. And I want to invite you this morning to decide. Let this be the morning you decide I'm giving publicly, which sometimes is uncomfortable, But we're a family here. Publicly, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving him everything. If you want to make that decision this morning, I want to invite you to come up to Nate or Derek up here. Just come. Even now, if you want to decide, I'm giving my my life, everything, to Jesus. This one who Paul was so fascinated with. For the rest of us, I just want to invite you right now to put your hands out. And I believe the Spirit is going to highlight to you any areas where you have allowed self-pity to reign. Any areas where you've allowed a hardness of heart to come in. And I just want to invite you on your own, ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you with His power. Ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you with power and grace. God, I need your explosive energy so that I can have grace to give. Change my mind. Change my heart. Give me a vision. Here's what we do. After we've received that baptism of his spirit, that energy from the Holy Spirit, we ask him, I need your vision. I need to come out and see the bigger picture. Part of how you get that is committing to read his word over your own life. Continue to ask him, I need your bigger picture, Lord. I need it. All right, we're going to activate our faith a little bit more. Each of these tools, we're going to pray them over ourselves. I like that. So let's say this together. Jesus, I am your prisoner. Thank you for giving everything so that now I can give everything. It's good. Jesus, thank you for the grace you offer. Thank you for the power of your spirit. It's available to me. I choose to be baptized every day with power and grace. Lastly, let's pray this. Jesus, thank you for your bigger plan 
your mysterious plan that I get to be part of. Let my life be wisdom to unseen realms and those I walk with. In Jesus' name. All right, so you'll see in the four corners of the room, there's going to be the communion element. So if you can just make your way to the closest table near you. Just a quick reminder while we're getting communion elements, uh, there is going to be baptisms just after communion. So please stick around for that. Some of you are getting in the routine of finding people to take communion with, so I recommend that, looking people in the eye. I loved Christy's word because when we examine ourselves without the Holy Spirit, it results in self-pity. And we're not, we have no power to overcome, but when we examine our hearts with the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to overcome. So let's just thank Jesus for being a man, becoming a man, and giving his body for us. Let's go ahead and break that. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. This is, this is everything to us. When we say we're righteous, this is why. It, it's all wrapped up in this. Our righteousness is 100% wrapped up in this. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Amen. Good morning. You may all take your seats, keep your little cups. If you want to take them home as a little... Souvenir, you may, if you want to take them home and use them for communion, you may. You may, however, just not leave right now. Uh, We're going to be having some baptisms this morning. Baptisms are a public display 
of people recognizing what Jesus has done on the inside, they do it on they're doing it on the outside. I feel your pain, Ray. So Hey, hey. Uh, Jared, could you perhaps just do that better? <laughs> ah, there we go. Jared is a magical sound guy. He's at the top there. And uh, if, if, if that was me, I would have taken a microphone and gone... This is my daughter in who I'm well pleased. <laughs> All right. Your name? Michael. You've given your life to Jesus. Yes. So now it's an absolute privilege and an honor for your friends to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, that is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So we don't do baby christenings. What we see evidence for in Scripture is that once you understand salvation and you give your life to Jesus, out of obedience as a believer, you are then baptized. And you do not have to be baptized by anyone in the clergy. You just need to be baptized by somebody who has been baptized before generally. So these are not a whole lot of pastors up here. This is a dad baptizing his sons this morning. So that's really special. Your name? Xander. You're giving your life to Jesus? Yes. You're going to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. We're watching you. So it's a privilege this morning to see you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. My name's Will. Yes. So what a privilege this morning to see you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you, if you feel a prophetic word of encouragement for any one of the people that are being baptized this morning, please write it down or get it to us somehow. It'll be great to be able to relay that to them to encourage them as well. I'm Jason. I've given my life to God. There we go. So we're going to see you baptized this morning. And uh, we trust that the Lord has incredible things for your future and your destiny. So it's a privilege to witness you being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit.
I like it. Good morning, your name? My name is Derek. Where are you from, Derek? I'm from St. Louis. When did you drive through? I drove through Highway 44 all the way down here through Sullivan, Cuba, Lebanon. Got up about 5.56 in the morning. He's not from here. Derek came through. He's been watching the services online, giving his life to Jesus, watching services online, and then got hold of us and wanted to be baptized at Dayspring to celebrate with us. So it's a privilege and an honor to witness you being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is part of the prophetic word that has been spoken over Day Spring Church. That our impact is not for these four walls. And it's not just for Springfield, but it's for, this, it's for the city, obviously, for the state, and for this, this country and beyond. Think bigger. I'm not giving you work for today, but think bigger. Folly. Will you please join me on stage? Hey. What is your name? Jeffrey Hunter. Jeffrey Hunter's got one of the coolest voices. He could uh, definitely be one of our presenters. But Jeffrey, you've given your life to Jesus, and today is a public display of what he did for you on the cross here. And you've died to yourself to sin in the world. Today you're being baptized, and it's an honor for us to witness what God has done in your life, but to see you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Farley just to share with us this morning just something that he's realized and he's felt, but I'm not going to call him to the front, well, someone else this morning, doing worship. Holy Spirit ministers to this person. His name's Dusty. I'm not going to have him come to the front, but just during worship, without an, without an altar call being made, feels the presence of God, comes to the front, gives his life to Jesus, not meeting with one of the pastors, but just because the presence of God in this room feels convicted, gives his life to Jesus. And the only reason why he's not being baptized this morning is because he wants to get his mom here to the next service so that she can bear witness to what God has done in his son's life. That's significant. That's significant. Yeah. Well, some of you know uh, Kelly and I just became grandparents, which is totally cool. So this little baby entered the Lewis clan, and it changed everything. I mean, I, I, it shocked me, honestly. It took me off guard. And, you know, she doesn't do anything. She just sleeps and eats and poops, you know. And so it's not like something she's doing, but it, it literally changed everybody in my family. It changed our identity. So suddenly I'm not just a dad, I'm the head of a clan or something. I mean, it's like these realizations, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by it. Just a baby changes everything. They make messes, they don't get a lot done maybe, but they change everything. And we're seeing babies, and it's going to change us. 
and be ready for the change and be excited about the change because how many grandparents do we have here? Is it a good change? It's a good change, right? So when you get changed by the baby that comes, it's a good change. So be excited. God's going to knock off some rough edges. He's going to give us a love for uh, people that have really bad habits, and it's going to be a good thing. Awesome. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Invite people to our house for lunch. If you have good food prepared, remember, if you brought children, fetch them, take them home. Remember to fellowship. God bless you. We'll see you at Ascend on Friday night. Thank you.